Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So this is our once a month Wednesday Q&A session. So a lot of questions. Uh, actually, there's not that many questions, but the questions that are being asked are pretty powerful. Uh, so the first one we will get to is, actually, we talked about this. Um, I'm going to let you take this first. It says, patience is a virtue. And a fruit of the Spirit. As Christians, where do we draw the line? So, when these questions are asked, we don't have the context. So, you know, try to be as detailed as possible. We will answer it based on our understanding of how the question is presented. Pastor Paul? So I'm not sure what scripture may be re, uh, referring to here. So, so as far as patience is a virtue and a fruit of the spirit. Long. So let's let's look at the fruit of the spirit first. So, fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. So some translations for long-suffering um, say patience. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, we know how impatient we can be in our, in our flesh, in our natural way. We, impatience uh, with just even trivial things, uh, not to mention um, you know, spiritual and serious things. So I think the fact that um, this is one of the fruits of the Spirit tells us that in our own strength uh, we won't be we won't exhibit patience the way God would prefer us to so how does that how do we balance that you know um, you know and you know this question is where do we draw the line I don't not to not to demean the question at all I don't like coming at it from that angle. Like, how far can we go before God's mad at us type of thing? You know what I mean? I always like to come at it from what, how far can we go to please God? So coming at it from that angle, what would we say? We would say, well, we give, let's say we're talking about patience with another person, someone who may irritate us sometimes, somebody who, you know, may get on our nerves. So how far do we go with someone like that. And I would say, say we go pretty far in order to be Christ-like to that. Um, you know, we, we think about the story of, the, you know, of the, the widow who came before the judge and, you know, continually uh, would ask the same question. And, you know, how, how far do we go in forgiveness? You know, 
where Peter asked, you know, you know how, how many times should we forgive our brother if they continue to sin against us? And I think, I think pretty consistently the answer is always we go, we go pretty far. So I think, I think if this is asking, you know, when can I kind of, when can I kind of cut somebody off? I would say, I would say, be really careful about that, because they may be in your life for a reason. If this is a person, if we're talking about a person, they may be in your life for a reason, for a time and a season, and you may be that person who's going to bring them into that relationship with Jesus just because of your patience. So that's how I would answer it. Yeah. Uh... A lot of our colloquialisms or sayings uh, remotely sometimes come from the scriptures. So, um, you know, people say patience is a virtue. I mean, it is virtuous to have patience because it is a fruit of the spirit. You know, and all the fruits, fruit of the spirit is is put out there: love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, and self control. So, as nine of them. And, you know, it's, I, I, again, we, we're trying to read, so when people ask a question, we're trying to answer it based on the way we think it was asked. Um, there's nothing wrong with, you can still be patient with a person and be honest with them and say, you know, you keep, you keep kind of going down this road and you keep coming to me about this situation, but you, if you don't learn some lessons, you're going to be down this road again, right? So how is the person coming to you? Are they wearing against you personally? Or do they keep coming to you with the same dysfunction? There's nothing wrong with being honest with people. To be patient with them, but also to give them some counsel to help them do better in life, right? And sometimes we need to take our own counsel, <laughs> which is true. So do we ever in our lives on this earth run out of patience, run out of love? right? Run out of um, these types of things, gentleness, kindness. We don't. But can we also mix in teaching? Can we also mix in firmness um, and still be loving and still be patient? Absolutely. So, you know, nobody said being a Christian was easy because God calls us to do things that kind of go against our flesh. So as usual, we hit it, right? We hit, it's the same answer, but we hit it from different angles. So in Galatians 5, how it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And then later on the same chapter, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So the big things is being in the Spirit. Because when you're in the Spirit, God produces the fruit. You know, um, and like that fruit tree doesn't work and strain to produce fruit. It just produces fruit. And that's the evidence that it's a God thing. And the thing with the patience and, you know, the long-suffering, we talked about it at a staff meeting, there's also righteous anger. There's also, if a baby was being abducted, you wouldn't just stand there and watch. You would get pumped up and you would go to work. So, like Pastor Joe said, it depends on the context of how the question was asked. So this one, um, actually, follow up.
Well, I mean, you do the best you can. <laughs> so you can, and I've, I've said this, if somebody comes to me with a question, they're asking for help, I'm trying to help them, and they're obfuscating, or they're not listening, and they're rapid firing me with other things, and it's like, let's just take it down a little bit. Let's take it one step at a time. You came to me, you're asking for my help, I'm trying to help you. So, so, you know, I like to use plain language. Sometimes I think we, as Christians, people of faith, struggle with plain language. I don't yell at people, I don't um, demean them, but I try to use plain language. You're coming to me, you're not letting me answer the question. You just keep, your impatience is impeding what I'm trying to get to you. So, apparently a lot of people shaking their heads must be something that a few people are struggling with. So let me, let me jump to another one. There's a, there's a few of them here. Um, so the next one, and this one, some of these are denominational questions, which is fine. Um, something maybe out of the ordinary, and something that maybe somebody said, hey, I wanted to ask that question for like 10 years, but nobody really answered it for me. It's never really covered in a sermon. So somebody asked me a question about the um, sort of a rite or a ritual of... So these are very diverse questions. The blessing of the animals. What do I think, right? Um, Catholic Church does it. Uh, A lot of different churches do it. And that's cool. A lot of Christians are animal lovers. Um, we, We all have animals. We love our animals very dearly. They're like part of the family. And when this person asks me, and I'll try to go in generalities, because some people say something that's specifically happening maybe in their community. But um, I I said, I actually have heard of the blessing of the animals, but I've I've never actually seen it. Not really sure exactly how they do it. I said, my criteria would be, if somebody wanted me to pray over their dog or pray for their cat, I would. Their turtle, their hamster, it's important to them. Like I said, we're animal lovers. Um, I, first of all, I wouldn't charge them for it. So to me, if they're charging for it, I think that's a problem. Um, you know, or the same thing, if you were praying for a loved one that was sick, would you charge somebody to pray for them? I certainly hope not. And the other part of the, uh, my answer was, because they were going to check out this sort of ceremony, it, it's actually local to here. Uh, the other part of it was that it wasn't like a circus. It wasn't you know, so ridiculous that it's maybe mocking God, right? Um, so people come to us with all types of prayer requests. So that one's actually an inbox. Uh, I'll let you jump in there and then go back to Pastor Paul. Did you get that text? That's a question. Another question. About the blessing of the animal? So you have, <clears throat> Jesus said some things about... Tr- uh, tradition, he said, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, um, and you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. So it's always neat to, or it's always important, not neat. I mean, it's important, it's crucial that you go to God's word and see what did Jesus say, what did Jesus do, and so many times um, churches, like Pastor Joe said, they'll charge you for that particular thing or they'll just make up something it's very simple i mean you know we have a little grand dog and he's going to have a operation in november so we'll pray you know lord just be with Rube, just bless him and keep him guide the doctor's hands and we commit him to you and that's it there's no 
ceremony, there's no tradition. You know, you, you as a child of God, pray to your Father for your needs. Um, on, on these kinds of things, Okay, so sometimes we have technical difficulties. Okay. Yeah. No, you know, I. It's God's creation. Exactly. Right, Pastor Joe? They're good. It's all God's creation. Sure. I mean, I. Right. Well, I mean, you know, some people love pets to the extent that they don't love people, and that's a problem. But, you know, I believe that when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden in Genesis, that there were, well, I mean, I don't believe I've seen it. There were animals there. Why are they there? Right? Why did God even bother to make animals? I mean, they're great companions. You know, some people are cat lovers. I'm a dog lover. Some people like more wild animals, but um, there's just, they're, they just know how to interact with people, and I think God put that in them. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with loving animals. There's nothing wrong with praying that they get better. I lost one, one of my dogs this year and one last year, and it crushed me. It was very hard, very, very, very hard to get through that because we had them for over 10 years, and they were a part of the family, you know. They even helped Josiah in his developmental process. Um, they, can, they can provide things sometimes that... Sometimes the professionals can't. It's just, it's just natural to them. Test one, two. Okay, next one. It says, um, he said, I've been trying to bring a friend to Christ. He has, he has everything. So he, he said, I know who it is. So the person has wealth. He has status. He has everything in the world. So let's just say that in the world's arena. He asked me the following question. If I take a blind leap of faith, I could lose everything by taking a blind leap of faith that believing in Christ requires. How should I respond to this? So number one is, it's not a blind leap of faith. Somebody saying that to me, I'm the wrong person to say that to because I always incorporate biology, chemistry, physics, astronomy, um, topography, history, There's so much that reinforces the truth of God's Word. So it's not a blind leap of faith. However, let me just try to answer it to the way the person is asking it. What they're saying is maybe the world that they live in, if they become a Christian, they could be ostracized. Well, there was somebody that Jesus ministered to, the rich young ruler, who had a problem with what Jesus was trying to tell him to do. Pick a God either the God of wealth and status. Now, everyone who comes to Christ doesn't lose everything. This person may not lose everything. They just think they might. Um, Maybe they will miss opportunities. They might miss financial opportunities, but they, they may not necessarily lose everything. But here's the thing. How long do we have to live on this earth? And then what? 
How long's George Washington been gone? How long's Napoleon been gone? Longer than George Washington. How long has Caesar been gone? What do you think they're thinking right now if they didn't come to Christ? Oh, what a re- well, I have so much regrets. So losing everything, and again, it's not necessarily going to happen, but even if we did lose everything on this earth, we have eternity. We have riches beyond what we can imagine. So, who did I? Oh, you, you didn't go yet. So. Can I answer the pet thing for a second? Because before my mic went out, I had... So, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if they answered it, but anyway, to go, just to go back to the blessing of the, of the animals, like I'm sure the pastors hit on all, you know, all of the pertinent points, but uh, one of them is that a lot of times that the, these um, are services or uh, events that are put on, um, a lot of times sponsored by certain denominations, and so you want to find out what, kind of what the background is to why they're doing it. You know, is it just because, you know, God, it's part of God's creation and, you know, we're supposed to care for um, his creation and, and animals, you know, our pets are kind of part of the family a lot. But the other, the other side of it is, is this something that's a little bit unbiblical in what they're doing? And so from one, from one denomination, from one church, um, I don't have to mention the, the denomination, it's, they have this prayer. And uh, the title of the prayer is, All Animals Are Our Relatives. And it says, We light this chalice in honor of the animal realm, furred and hoofed, two-legged, four-legged, many-legged, fanged and clawed, gentle and fierce, wild and tame. May we remember that all animals are are our relatives, worthy of care and respect. That's not biblical. All animals are not our relatives. And so when we look back at Genesis and we see the creation account, right, we see God created animals, he created man, and we, are, we were given a special place in God's creation, um, higher than the animals, to have dominion over the animals, to love them and to cherish them and to care for them, but to still not the same as animals. So be careful um, if you attend one of these events or services that that's not what's behind it. Because a lot of times it is. So, wait, go ahead. You know, I knew my dog, he's so close to me, I knew he was related to me at some point. You know? Kind of look alike. <laughs> I'm just, they, do, they do say that sometimes you start to look like your pets. Do you ever, you ever hear that? I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. It's not a theo- theological statement. Go ahead no, and answer no, it a second. All right, so the question about the person who's, who has everything. Um, I'm assuming, again, that it's worldly, you know, materialistic things, which is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's just if it becomes your, if it becomes your God. And I just go to what Jesus said. It's in Matthew 16, 26. He says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So we have to understand what's really important in this world. And, you know, as the events in in the world get more serious um it it gives us an opportunity to kind of have a a, you know a self-check on those things what are we putting our efforts into are they materialistic things that are going to be gone when we're gone all our stuff does not come with us Mm -hmm. you know uh, we don't take it with us 
Um, and so it's, it's left here. And so what did we do with the important parts of our life? I think that's... And the other thing is, when you do come to Christ, you, you're, richer, you're rich beyond measure, more than, you th- more than you thought you could be, and in much different way than you were if you were materialistically wealthy. So that's all I have to say about that. Pastor Ben, did you do that? Did you? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So this leap of faith is nowhere found in the Bible because the Bible is full of evidence of our faith, along with those several things that Pastor Joe mentioned when he answered this question. There's also the archaeology, there's prophecy, and then I think one of the most important ones is your own personal witness of what God has done in your life. So the blind leap of faith is a person who has not given his life to Jesus. He's the one or she's the one that's taken the blind leap of faith because death, who comes to everyone, it comes to everybody, that's the great answer to your decision on your faith, whether it was a blind leap or not. Yeah, I think of a blind leap of I, I know I didn't take a blind leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I was already in a denomination. Why would I leave that um, when I came to Christ? So I'm not about taking risks like that with, that with my eternity. That reminds me a blind leap of faith is like uh, being on the top of a waterfall and, you know, it's a hundred foot, and people do this. And I say, oh, let me, let me just jump off. Hopefully when I get to the bottom, I'll just kind of go under and, and I'll live. I don't know if I will, so I'm never going to do that. That to me is a blind leap in a physical sense. Spiritually, I actually had to examine and investigate and make sure this was truthful. Or why would you follow something that's a lie? Okay, so next question. Good question. So some of these come in on inboxes, so we're phones and piece cards and stuff. Okay, the next question is, what events must happen before the rapture takes place? Good question. So I covered this in, oh, it was in Luke. I'm trying to think which chapter it was, but we covered it in Luke, we covered it in Matthew, um, I covered it in Revelation, but it, to some people, it, you know, so I got the basics of it, and they understand the basics, but what about all the extraneous stuff? What about the Damascus strike? What about Ezekiel 38, 39? Legit questions. So, in a nutshell, and I've done this with the cards before, this is a different color than these two and this, just in case you're far in the back. Daniel has a Gabriel, God to Gabriel to Daniel, gives him the prophecy of the 490 years. And he basically gives Daniel a prophecy that's twofold. That in 483 years, there's an articulable event that takes place. The Christ would come the first time. After a gap of time, known as the church age, there's another seven-year period that we're kind of, we're in here somewhere, right? Prophetically, time clock, calendar. So um, without going into Daniel, you'll never understand the second coming and the rapture and why they're two different events. So Daniel, 483 years, 
to the Messiah. 4632 AD, it's usually that's the uh, 173,880 days from Artaxerxes' command to send the Jews back from Persia to Jerusalem. So boom, Jesus shows up. That's why so many people follow him. There's a gap in time. There's one more seven-year period, which is our future hasn't happened yet. So his first coming, his second coming, very different comings. One is the lamb, one's the lion. Somewhere in between these two, because we are living in that gap period where the church age is taking place, I like to call it the harpazo, rapture, whatever. It comes from either ancient Greek or Latin, so depending on which words you use. It's this violent snatching up where the Lord removes his people, and then the seven-year period starts again. This is actually going to segue, and I'll let my pastors answer, and then we're going to segue into what's actually we're seeing in Israel right now which is the elephant in the room. Everybody wants to know that. So um, rapture happens. Um, church age, Jew and Gentile, part of the church. They're removed. Seven-year period mostly focused on Israel, right? What has, to, what has to take place before the rapture happens? Actually, nothing. It could happen at any time. Um, some people pointed to Ezekiel's Israel becoming a nation already happened 1948 1967 Uh, Isaiah 17 19 the Damascus strike hasn't happened yet doesn't have to happen before the rapture come Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle where all the uh, countries of the world take sides we're actually seeing that right now they're all taking sides Qatar Saudi Arabia, Iran, Russia, China, the United States, Europe, parts of North Africa. This is wild. What's happening right now, Lebanon, is causing all these nations to take sides. So Ezekiel 38 and 39 is coming into play. It's not here yet, but the rapture can take place at any time. Um, But like I said before, when you see the Christmas decorations, right, you know Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is it's it's articulable. It's in your face. It's loud, right? Second coming, big big stuff. But the rapture is sort of like the Thanksgiving. You see this getting real close. You know the rapture is coming soon. So I would just say, and I'm finding that I don't know about. I'm sure you guys are saying the same thing. People I meet, people I know, people I love, people I used to work with. What they're seeing now is getting them very interested in God's time clock. And considering not waiting until they finish college, not waiting till they retire, not waiting till they get at this new job, they're, they're con- all considering getting closer to God because they see the events taking place very rapidly. So, Roberta. It, so the, the, the rebuilding of the temple, we actually spoke about this, right? When Jesus talked about the temple and its destruction, um, Revelation tells us that it'll be rebuilt again. Jewish people and their eschatology are in agreement with us. Templeinstitute.org. It's going to be rebuilt again. They've already had a lot of the articles ready to go. The temple does not have to be rebuilt before the rapture comes. So I don't know who wants to jump in on this. There's a lot of information. So, Um, so I go to Second Corinthians 2. I don't know if, Vin, if Pastor Vinny is going to go there too, but um, to just look at... The, the, oh, did I say Corinthians? For, uh, Second Thessalonians 2. 
um, verse 7, for the mystery of lawliness, lawlessness is already at work, and we can see that in the world. I mean, this was written 2,000 years ago, but really we can see the lawlessness um, being revealed in the world even as we speak. Only he, capital H, he, who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So the Holy Spirit is at this point restraining full-fledged wickedness of the revelation of the Antichrist and everything that that will bring in um, while God still saves people in the church age. And then it says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And then in... And then it says here... uh, the, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs, and lying wonders, with all righteous deception. So in verse 7 and 8, it says here that eventually God will remove the Holy Spirit from restraining. And when he does that, all Christians will be taken, taken out of uh, this world. Because what's happening is... The Holy Spirit is working through believers um, to continue to spread the gospel, to continue to pray for people, to continue to share the good news. But once we're out of the way, then there's nothing holding the, uh, the rest of the timetable to come into play. So, Pastor Vinny, maybe you can... Yes, so uh, one of the primary scriptures is 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 verses 13 to 18 and part of that says uh, that all living believers along with all believers who have died will meet the Lord Jesus in the air and will be with him forever um, so the rapture is, is God removing his people from the earth and the second scripture is a few verses later it's 1 Thessalonians 5 9 which says for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ so you have to remember that wrath is being poured out by God on a Christ-rejecting world. So if you are a recipient of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have God's promise that you will not go through the wrath that is for the people that have rejected Him. Okay, that is huge. And... Uh, going to the rebuilding of the temple. Remember the third temple. There's two temples that have been built and are destroyed. The third temple is the Antichrist temple. Okay, that's going to be the false peace that's going to be brought between the Antichrist and the nation of Israel. Three and a half years into the tribulation, there's going to be the Antichrist is going to go into that temple, the third temple and asked to be worshipped as God. That's when the Jewish people will know they were faked out, and that's where they're going to flee, most likely likely to Petra, which is in Jordan, which is a a fortress that has been there for centuries. Okay, And that's when, uh, at the end of that tribulation, Jesus will come back. But remember, the tribulation is not for you, and it's not for me. We're the bride of Christ. We're in the church age. God is going to, as Pastor Joe said, is going to remove the church. And then what's left is everybody else who rejected Christ, plus most of the Jewish people. God's now going to turn his attention on the Jews, and he's going to use the tribulation to try to get them to be saved. 
And how is he going to do that? He's going to have two witnesses. The chances that it could be Moses and Elijah is what most scholars believe. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish believers that are going to be evangelizing, and there's going to be an angel in the heavens that is going to be sharing the gospel. And remember, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets, all the people that the Jewish people know. So it's targeted for the Jews. We pray now with what's going over in Israel that people will be coming to the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles, so they don't have to go through the wrath of God. Okay, and the last thing is there's going to be a fourth temple. That's the temple that Jesus Christ will sit and reign in. And we'll be with him in that one day. We'll see him there. You brought up that, which is great, we're not appointed to wrath, right? So those revelation judgments, God pours that out. It's not appointed to Jews, Gentiles, Muslims and Hindus who have come to Christ, atheists who, you know, whoever has come to Christ, because it's a big tent, it's available to everyone, Palestinians, Israelis, Anyone who puts their faith in Christ, doesn't matter their ethnicity, they're with Him. Uh, I think what's so important too is, and you said it earlier, you know, we just have to keep um, preaching the Word, seeing people come and get saved. You know, there might be somebody here, there could be somebody watching on uh, the Internet. And there's, this is an urgent time. You know, God is trying to get the whole world's attention. This is a spiritual thing we're seeing over in Israel. It's not political. People can wrap it up in politics, but it's spiritual. Satan wants to destroy Israel. Okay? And we just pray that people will come to know him before it's too late. You have mentioned a scripture. There's another one in Revelation where Jesus promises. He says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. So people say, well, that, that's for um, Philadelphia. But this spirit of the church goes all the way through to our time because when was an hour of trial to come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth but the believers were spared hasn't happened yet so this is he's speaking about a future from now so i want to answer one quick question and then jump into what we're seeing today daisy shoot The Bible talks about wait, 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 wait. the two. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Just because people on the live oh, stream yes. didn't hear her question. So, did, so the question was asked about, um, <laughs> about the 144,000. Like, where does that number come from? Um, so I don't know the scripture if you have it in front of you, but it's 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. So 12 times 12 is 144,000. So, so we're talking about Jewish believers. Um, it's pretty obvious when there's that much detail in that um, that, that that's, that's uh, an obvious thing that we can figure out. So 12 times 12, 144,000. And the first, first question was? Uh, that was answered. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. 
Well, is the 144,000, the angel also flies through the heavens giving the everlasting gospel. God is using everything at his disposal so that the world will, it'll be a very clear, um, it'll be a very clear message that people are going to hear the gospel. And these, well, the 144,000, apparently, according to what I read, and it is Revelation 14, is they're also virgins, so they have that gift of singleness, and that's all they do is go to different parts of the earth. And you're right, it's not a lot, but there's also a lot less people on the planet based on these things that happen. And Daisy, um, important, we answered it, but the live stream didn't hear the question, will the Christians see the Antichrist? I believe he is alive today. He's probably in global politics. But do we know who he is? No. People guess, and I think that's fruitless. It's actually a harsh thing to say about somebody if that's not the person. So um, the, rest, you know, the restrainer will be removed. The Holy Spirit is removed. Wholesale believers, gone. And then this person will reveal his ugliness. He'll take the mask off. And the, the dopey world who doesn't know right from wrong today, a lot of people will be duped. Now, a lot of people won't because there'll be tribulation saints that say, something about this guy I don't really like. And, you know, there's a good possibility it's moved towards salvation. They don't take the mark and all that. So it's very, um, it's very fluid. It's very uh, detail-oriented. And I got to tell you, when I first became a Christian, my head was spinning. But over time, you start to look at all the different books and how everything really lines up really nicely. So I just wanted to ask your questions so the live stream audience could hear what the question was. Can I just mention something to Daisy, too? So as Pastor just said, we might know that name of that guy not knowing that he's the Antichrist. And the other thing is, uh, somebody just asked, so you have the 144,000 male virgins, but they can't be killed. Doesn't mean it's not going to be tried, that they're, they won't try to kill them. God's going to put a, his hedge of protection around them. And you also have the very same thing happening for the first three and a half years of the two witnesses who, remember, again, it's targeting... Uh, the Jews. So the Jews know Moses. They know who that is. They know who Elijah is or any of, of those people that the two witnesses could be. But they cannot be killed either. The uh, Antichrist is going to try to kill them. For three and a half years, they can't be killed. And then um, halfway through the tribulation, they're going to be killed. The whole world will rejoice. It'll be like Christmas Day. They'll be given presents presence to each other and then three days they'll be lying in the streets and then God's going to bring them back to life and bring them to heaven so God is using everything to try to get to the hardness of men and women's hearts and many will come to Jesus through the tribulation but that doesn't mean oh well you know I'm going to party and do everything I want. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, and I'll just make it in the tribulation. No, you got to remember, there's going to be, I think, the number is around 2 billion people or more will perish. 2 billion. I think it's even higher than that. That's going to die through this whole process. Can you guarantee that you'll be the one who makes it out of those 2 billion? I don't think so. That's a chance you don't want to take if you're not saved now. So um, this one's going to segue to the question that everyone has about what's going on. Yes, Andy. Yes. 
So the question about the third temple, big push to to rebuild it. Um, yeah, that's that's Yom Kippur was celebrated not that long ago, right? Day of Atonement. Um, a lot of the rabbis changed what it meant because there's no temple, and Yom Kippur was very specific about what the priest did. But there's no temple, so a lot of the teachers were saying, "Well, we're going to celebrate it differently. You can't celebrate something different than what God's word says. You can't change His word." So now the the thought is, well, let's put a temple in, let's get the priests, let's have them start the sacrifices again. That's man's trying to get that to work. So Andy's question is, when the third temple comes, do the people realize they're shooting themselves in the foot? Um, sometimes things have to be really bad. And I'm look, look, looking at this country for people to realize something's very wrong. So when the Antichrist does make this false peace, we see these peace deals getting destroyed all the time. Right, we, we, the Abraham Accords. Where is that right now? That was supposed to be some very definitive treaties, and now some of the countries are not sure. Saudi Arabia is wavering. Um, they were part of the Abraham Accords, so you know none of this stuff. All this stuff makes perfect sense with how people conduct themselves in the world, leaders, global leaders, because we're seeing it right now. So in the future, unfortunately, this person has to reveal his ugliness for people to realize we were duped. So, one quick one, and then going to the... <laughs> I keep saying that. I want to make sure we do this before we run out of time. So, the question that somebody had for me who goes to our church is, do you believe Zechariah 14 is happening now? And I would say no. Zechariah 14 is where the Lord returns. He touches down on the Mount of Olives. He splits the mountains, creates a valley. He's just ready for war. It is not pretty. It's a future occurrence. It's the second coming of Christ. Um, right now, it's the IDF. It's the F-35s. It's the missile battery. Let me tell you something. When the Lord comes back, He doesn't need anybody's help. So we're not going to help Him with our armies and our F-35s. He's going to do it all Himself. When the Lord comes in this manner in Zechariah 14, Israel's beleaguered. You see all these missiles in the Iron Dome? Eventually, you run out of ammunition. So um, when that takes place, Israel's just too beleaguered. There's too many people that come against her. And the Lord has to come and, and keep her, you know, I say her as a personification, anthropomorphism of Israel as a nation, because it's said a lot in the Old Testament. So my answer to the brother who asked me this would be no. And that brings us to what's going on as we speak. And a lot of people have a lot of questions. So let me just say this, and I'm not going to say everything because I want my pastors to join in, is that what we're seeing now is, is the lead-up to Ezekiel 38 and 39, because we already see Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, Syria is involved now. Um, you know, Egypt is actually saying to Israel, if you tell the Palestinians to go southwest, we'll, we'll take them and we'll harbor them while you take out Hamas. Very interesting partnership going on. So Egypt is involved. Uh, the United States, uh, you know, it's, I just named about seven or eight nations, right? Uh, Turkey's jumping in the mix. They've got something, everybody's got something to say now. Um, so let me just say this, is that, is that 
uh, you have Israeli people and you have Palestinian people. And a lot of those groups, hey, they need Jesus just like we need Jesus, right? What we saw from Hamas, and I saw the videos, it's horrific. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be able to say, that's evil. Beheading babies, burning children alive in buildings, what they do to women is just disgusting and disgraceful. These people are demonic. And they chant as if they're appeasing a god. Your only god is Lucifer, because no god would want you to behave like that. Now, let me say this. I feel bad for the Palestinian people, and here's the reason, because Hamas bullies them. Um, before this happened, listen, I'm, I'm up on current events. I saw the videos. Hamas likes to take videos to, to intimidate and frighten people. So I saw the videos of young Palestinian men who didn't toe the line with Hamas. This is old stuff, but they love to parade it to frighten the people. They tie young Palestinian men, rope, tie them up with rope, the other end to a motorcycle, and they drag them around the city for everybody to watch until the person's dead. No trial, no, you know, humane treatment. So um, it's really sad because it's such a congested area. So I can feel for the Palestinian people who don't want Hamas to lead them. A lot of the, uh, the Palestinian people actually secretly go under great peril of death and tell the Israelis what's going on and where these people are. How do they get this intelligence, right? They don't want Hamas to rule over them, but they're getting weapons from Iran. They're getting money. They're, they're just very powerful and the people can't stop them. However, Hamas is evil. I don't care what your beef is. When you do stuff like that, that we've all seen in those videos and they, they cheer and they chant, and, and they're happy because their Iranian backers are happy with what they did. Unequivocally, unequivocally I, I, I don't even pause before saying that's demonic. You don't do that to another person, especially innocent civilians. So that's where we're at. Um, we actually have a missionary. I'm not even going to say his name because he could be in danger right now. He ministers. Before all this happened, he ministers to Jews, to Palestinians, Muslims, Christians. He's in there. And he's doing the Lord's work and trying to get these people together and to receive Christ as, as this. And he's been telling us stuff. So I won't even mention his name because I don't want to put him in any uh, bad position. But pray for our missionaries because they're out in dangerous areas. The world's a hostile place. So I'll stop there. So you have everything that Pastor Joe said. Did that start with Zechariah 14, or that's a different thing that we're on now? With Jesus landing. The question, the... Yeah, the question asked is if is Zechariah 14 happening now? No, because that's when right. Israel is so beleaguered. Right. The Lord actually has to come and step in. Okay, so when Jesus comes back and lands on the Mount of Olives, okay, that's going to be um, at the end of the tribulation. And guess what? You have a ticket to go with them. The Scriptures say we're going to be right with Jesus. We'll be riding right behind them. Right? So if you've never been to Jerusalem, you're going to have a great trip there. Okay, so that's, that's coming. That's in our future according to God's Word. So the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, uh, within the last 24 hours, they're down in southern Lebanon. Lebanon. So... If you stand on the um, Golan Heights, you can actually see Syria. 
You can see it in her horizon. So it's right there. It's attached to Israel. So they're right there right now. Um, Russia said, USA, if you're uh, standing with Israel, we're going to be standing with Palestine. So now you have Russia involved, and they've already had troops on the borders of Israel for over a year or two now. Um, Pastor Joe mentioned a person that we've had here who is an Arab Christian. And uh, I've been in communication with him, and he's got to be careful where he goes because of the Jewish people, uh, because he's an Arab. So even though he's for the Jewish people, his life and his family's life is in danger. He has relatives in Gaza, and they've destroyed over a thousand buildings already there because of what the people in um, Hamas have done. The USS Eisenhower is on its way over to Israel. Uh, the aircraft carrier Gerald Ford is already there, and that's our number one aircraft. It's, it's high-tech. It's, it's right there. So there's so many things going on, and as Pastor Joe taught Revelation and referred to Daniel and Ezekiel, all the nations are all around Israel right now. They're there. There's nothing else that has to happen. Okay? The rapture is any minute. The war on Israel where God's hand comes in could be happening right around the corner where Ezekiel 38 and 39 come in. I think in our lifetime, right, all of your lifetime, uh, this is the Pearl Harbor and the 9-11 of Israel. There's never been any time in Israel's history than what you're seeing right now on your TVs or on your internet. So this is huge. This is their 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. Think about that. That's the two things that we've gone through in this country combined for the Israel people. And we stand with Israel and we pray for Israel. It's, in one sense, it's devastating. But at the same time, we're living in biblical times. And that makes it exciting. We're going to see the hand of God in a mighty way. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, I make, the, I make the differentiation between, you know, we, I was talking about this with somebody actually just before service, how in every culture, my, you know, my background is Italian, right? Sicily, same thing there. It's so important in every culture when your own culture oppresses you. So if you go to Sicily, I'm, I'm making enemies with everybody tonight. <laughs> so the black hand in Sicily, the Hamas, but that's okay. I've been a target many a times. But it's sad when your own culture oppresses you, right? It happens to the Italians. It happens to uh, the Palestinians. I don't equate Hamas with innocent, innocent Palestinian people who are just trying to make a living. I need to make that dichotomy. I know I said it twice before, but that has to be clear from my lips. I look at Hamas and Hezbollah because I know Lebanese people. They don't like Hezbollah. I know Lebanese people that have emigrated to the United States. They have the guns. They have the power. They have the numbers. And, you know, same thing with the mob. But people can't break free from them. They just have too much power. So, um, 
You know, same thing. You see a lot of these uh, wars in, in Africa. Africa has 53 countries. It's a continent. People think, oh, everybody in Africa gets along. No, they don't. There's so many wars um, from, from the same culture. And, and that's what we're seeing in, in Gaza and all these areas. Um, and listen, everybody needs Christ. Whether you're, I needed Christ. I came to Christ. I was in a denomination. It wasn't, I didn't have a relationship. I needed Christ. Muslims need Christ. Hindus need Christ. Atheists need Christ. Everybody needs Christ. The Israelis need Christ. Yes, they, they might be fighting to defend their people, but they may not know Christ, and they need to understand that. So, yeah. Ben? Hmm? Yeah. Unless some... Well, we can talk about it afterwards. We can okay. have a discussion. So a lot of... A lot of uh, important and crucial topics have been talked about tonight and two stand out to me one is um, faith that blind leap of faith versus faith which is evidence for what you believe two different things are two opposites and then we talked about the rapture of the church and uh, just imagine if like with the next few seconds there is the rapture and this is a question I'm asking to Pastor Joe right now. So just imagine that the rapture of the church takes place and everybody but three or four people here go. You're at home. You're watching us on the Internet. Uh, maybe your mom goes or your baby goes and, and now you're in a panic. What do they do? I wonder if somebody's here at this church or in their home, and they're the only one left, and there's, a, and there's the uh, phone there, and they're seeing that all over the world this has taken place. What would you say to those people, Pastor Joe, now? You know? So here's the blessing. I always say this. You could be on a, a desert island. There's nobody else in sight. There's no church. There's no Bible. You can still be saved. right? Every person, it, you know, when all this ends... There's only going to be two things left, if I could say things loosely. God and souls and angels and his creations. But what's most important is God and souls. So I would just say to anybody who's watching or considering or, you know, maybe the news is, is frightening you. And I don't know. I know somebody who came to Christ who was a very hard-hearted person. And it was, it was tragedy that brought this person to the foot of the cross. So whatever it is, the news bothers you. God is he's ushering in a new kingdom. And like the saying goes, it has to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse. So how could we be up here? We're not nervous. We're not frightened. Sometimes we joke around. We enjoy our lives, enjoy our friends and families. We enjoy the church. How can you guys be like that? Because we put everything into perspective. So if you want to know Christ... It's as simple as it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, maybe I, you know, I did this just, that's why Christ died for your sins. Just get alone, be by yourself. Just God's with you. He's, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Just say to him something like this, dear Lord, I want to be saved. I believe what Jesus did for me. That he died on the cross. He was a substitutionary death. Big words, but basically Jesus took my place on the cross. So as I could have been punished for my sins, Christ was punished for my sins, which appeased your sense of justice and judgment. 
So I just want to believe in Jesus. Pray that You fill me with Your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just want to walk with You all the days of this life and into eternity. Amen. It's that simple. Right? You know the beautiful thing? Jesus spoke to probably 90% of the people. They didn't have an education. They were poor. They didn't understand theology in big terms. So He spoke to them in stories. He spoke to them in parables. That's how great Jesus is. The educated understood. But the uneducated understood too. The uneducated, the poor, got the same prize that the educated and wealthy got. You want to talk about equal justice? Jesus is the one. He's the only one. It isn't your government. It isn't your political party. It is Jesus who brings that in. Right? Because people are corrupted. (laughs) But Jesus always does it right. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.